Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. Boom. Get in there. Right. We're going to have another monologue today. I just want to say at the outset of this that, look, you know, I've, I'm finding, I'm finding that... Um, my four-year-old Zia, my four-year-old daughter Zia, she is my biggest, biggest teacher at the moment. Like, I'm, I'm really understanding how much that we can learn from our children and how they're testing of us. And obviously, they're not testing us, but that's a story that we create in our mind. It's a good thing because it, you know, very often we say to ourselves, it's particularly in our relationships with those that we share a bed with. You know, it's like we know rationally and logically how to behave, but we don't put it into practice. We don't have, you know, the 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 ability to practice. We're just always, the only time we practice is when we're in conflict. But with our children, particularly our toddlers, they're challenging us every minute of the day. And it is, it's allowing us, if we can be conscious about this and be present and aware of what's going on to really practice communicating more effectively as a human being. And it doesn't matter if you're talking to a toddler, if you're talking to an adult, you know, the same kind of core components of communication around empathy, around compassion, around presence, around, uh, you know, your listening skills and your, you know, just general all around wonderfulness in how you need to show up for somebody when they're talking to you. Um, yeah. Kids really nail it for you. Really nail it for you. So this, this monologue is all about something I've learned from my beautiful daughter, Zia, um, spending time with your family and the essence of being present is the title. And here's a little intro for you. So taking care of children may be time consuming. It is time consuming for some anyway. Um, and it may be even draining. Children can be volatile sometimes, but they're not impossible to please, as I find out and talk about in this um, episode. It is significant to spend time with your children. However, it is more important to be mentally and emotionally present with them. Parents may often neglect their children unconsciously. Thus, being present with your family becomes all the more vital. And, you know, there's a couple of things in that, isn't there? Is, is if we are drinking alcohol, then we are likelier to be uh, to to neglect our children unconsciously, uh, for sure. Also, if we are drinking alcohol, we are likelier uh, to be a little bit more ratty with them and not really um, be able to communicate and hold space with them. So um, that's important. And flip that over: the more you can be in pure, pristine presence with your children the less likely you are to fear emotions to shoot through the reef and you to want to turn to alcohol anyway, right? Uh, in this episode, I, Lee Davey, share the moment I spent with my daughter Zia around uh, look, 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 and I narrate the instances where Zia is craving my attention. And I admit in this episode that um, I often don't like this, uh, but eventually came to terms with the importance of being present and spending time with my child. Do you ever feel like taking care of your child takes a toll on you? Well, if yes, then this episode episode is for you. And we're going to cover my learnings and reflections as a father, 
pushing the edges of um, our thought process and our introspection, um, understanding the place of usness and creating teams with our children, um, raising your consciousness and your levels of communication, um, raising children without throwing shame bombs onto them, strengthening vulnerability, and most importantly that I learned, um, learning to say yes, learning to say yes. So I am very shortly going to leave you in the capable hands of myself talking about my daughter. But before I do that, if you want to learn more, more and more and more and more about these concepts, about these um, the subtleties and the nuances in our relationships that lead to us drinking alcohol or understand more about the devastation that drinking alcohol is wreaking in our relationships, particularly with our children, and you want to be a role model and you want your children to grow up having a much healthier relationship with alcohol, yes, it is unusual that they will, they will grow up not drinking, even if you don't drink, but definitely having a much healthier relationship through, that, through those crucial teenage years then you need to be a role model for them. You need to be someone who doesn't drink alcohol. There's no better place on the planet right now uh, than to come along to uh, 1000 Days Sober and strive and do that. We have a workshop on January 22nd. I'm going to be sharing um, my tools and tricks of the trade that help me become someone that doesn't drink alcohol in, in my masterclass. That's going ahead on January 22nd. And we will be running a group workshop uh, starting on the 31st of January. And that's going to run for six months, and that will be the Strive Method for Addictions. Um, it's amazing. It's incredible. We can get you, you know, just get over to the website, www.1000daysober.com, and uh, have a look around and find a way in. And uh, if you're struggling or get stuck, then email us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. That's the number one, 1kdaysober at gmail.com. All right, here we go. Let's talk about kids. Much love, everyone. What a wonderful job I have. One of the best jobs in the world. Helping people to overcome that shit. To not have to drink that shit anymore. And to take control of your life. And to not just take control of your life, but to fucking mold it and yeah, you really get it to be really juicy and amazing and wonderful. I got to admit, folks, I go up and I go down. I'm like a roller coaster. But right now, right now, at 45 or 46, whoever the heck I am, I am in the best shape of my life, physically, mentally, psychologically. That is the same as mentally, sexually, uh, spiritually. I'm just absolutely riding a wave, which is so big. Even big, tough surfers wouldn't wouldn't get up there with me. I'm really loving life at the moment. And it was all because over 10 years ago, I decided to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And every day now I'm waking up and it's amazing. It's beautiful. Life is wonderful. Wonderful. I'm learning so much lately. And, you know, this all started out with me just kind of like helping people through my own life journey. Like whenever I fucked up, I wanted people to know about it. Whenever I celebrated, I wanted people to know about it. Kind of hoping that people can pick up along the way uh, and learn from my mistakes and learn from my uh, successes, right? Um, and, you know, when I reflect upon how wonderful I'm feeling at the moment, it's worth pointing out that in the past 10 years, without a doubt, I have felt this way before. 
So I have continually uplifted my existence in the last 10 years. And 10 years is a long time to have quit alcohol and to now be touching upon certain aspects of life, which are going to be like, uh, just take me to the next level. And it took me 10 years to get here. So for those of you who are just verging on the, um, the, the thought process of being someone that doesn't drink alcohol, or maybe you have been someone who doesn't drink alcohol for a number of years, and you're still kind of like, well, you know, my life isn't as great as it should be, uh, then don't worry about it. Be patient, be compassionate, and um, get into, into the guts of something like 1000 Days Sober. Join the Strife Method for Addictions uh, group workshop. Contact us for personal coaching, right? Join the Strive subscription. Join our workshops, okay? And we'll help you to uh, and guide you uh, to really do some wonderful stuff. Really do some wonderful stuff, okay? And one of the things that I really pride, uh, I, I do have a massive sense of pride when it comes to our little gang, our little family, is how we push the edges. So what I mean by that is when you improve your life, you improve your life and you keep improving your life. At some point to keep improving your life, you've really got to look hard to find the edges to sharpen up, right? So you've really got to look right. Say like, say like you've, I'm on video now for those of you not listening, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that this, my two hands are up and like, this is like how we've been pushing ourselves in life. And if you want to push ourselves even more, you've got to go right to the edge of that wall and really look what's going on there. Really get into the subtlety and nuance of life in order for you to learn and develop and grow as a human being. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about today. It's a, a simple little thing that happened in my life and how I learned from it and how it's connected to addiction and everything that we do and how it's nuanced and how it's subtlety and how... Having a mind sharp as a tack to be able to pick up on this kind of stuff and vulnerability to pick up on some of this stuff and to drop your defenses and your ego and to listen and to learn and absorb is really important. All right. So as many of you know, I have a beautiful four-year-old daughter. Her name is Zia and she is a bundle of activity. Absolute bundle. I mean, this girl just does not stop talking. I mean, to say she's like her dad is the understatement of century. It's like 100 mile an hour Gatling gun coming out of her mouth like constantly. Um, and she's always wanting to do something. She's like always flying around the house, always wanting to do something. And um, it's uh, it can be overwhelming, right? It can be overwhelming. And one of the things that uh, she says a lot, like her favorite word, uh, is look, 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 look. Now, uh, the person who spends most time with her during the day is actually my mother-in-law, right? So my mother-in-law will spend most of the time in the day. So me and Lysa can get on and work and uh, try to help people change their lives. And I hear my uh, mother-in-law laughing all the time because Zia would just be going, look, 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 look. And then I hear my mother-in-law going, look, 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 you know, almost like kind of teasing, but doing it in a, in a loving way from her own perspective. And the other day she was doing this look, look, look thing. And I turned around and I said to her, um, I started laughing. And then I said, wow, that is the, that, that is, if there was one word that I, I can bet is going to come out of your mouth, Zia, that is the one that's always going to come out of your mouth, right? Like, look, 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 you love that word, don't you? Right. Now, when I said that, my wife, Liza, said to me, hmm, do you think you could have said that in a different way? Like, I, 
It didn't sit right with me. Okay. Now, if I am operating below the line in that moment, if I am coming from a place of drama, if I'm feeling like my my cup is half full, right? Like I haven't I haven't got a lot of capacity to be conscious and be present and to live from an inside out kind of infrastructure. Like if I'm struggling a little bit and, and, and Liza says that to me, like, mm, you know, maybe you, you didn't say that the right way. My reaction normally is to feel shame as a father and then to try to offload that shame to her. Okay. And I've talked about this a lot that, you know, in the way that I do this, let me just turn my phone off because it's ringing. Um, but this day, because I'm growing and I'm evolving and I'm feeling tip top, like I'm telling you, I was able to listen to her um, say that and, and then to say, okay, let me, let me think about that. And then I was able to say, you know what? You're right. You're right. Um, it's not, it's not something I should say to her. Okay. So that in itself is a, is a massive growth moment for me. And and I think a massive teachable moment, massive teachable moment is when our partners, so typically women feel anxious and afraid, and then they communicate with their husbands out of anxiety and fear, could be around money, could be around sex, could be around their relationship, could be out who puts the bins out, could be out parenting, could be anything, right? They come out of anxiety and fear, and then that triggers the shame in the man. And then the man either stonewalls or reacts angrily or many other kind of like uh, negative responses. And then that increases more um, anxiety and fear in the woman and on and on it goes, right? So it really helps when your partner says something to you to be tuned in to that place of love that place of usness and i was reading something in how to improve your marriage without talking about it they were talking about imagine you're connected to your to your wife like you're connected to her you know or you're connected to your husband and it's like this love flowing between you right so when when they're having a having a pop or they're having a go just just realize that it's coming from a place of love and instead of defending and judge to being judgmental ask questions and be curious oh you think that tell me more about it you know and be willing to be open up to um not even be willing to open up to the possibility that you've done something wrong but actually lead from the possible from the likelihood that the other person giving you that feedback has something is 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 really giving you some really useful feedback right so i think that's really important so then i'm thinking what's going on here so me and my mother-in-law, by joking around and kind of like, you know, ridiculing in a way that she keeps saying, look, 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 look. What we're doing is we are building within her a reaction that says, if you say, look, 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 look to your adults, they're going to take the piss out of you. And Zia, four years of age, she don't like it when you take the piss out of her. She doesn't like it when you call her names. She doesn't like it. She knows she switched on to those type of things. And I've also seen her develop 
and uh, go into behaviors around embarrassment and shame and uh, and particularly in terms of not wanting to fail not wanting to do something wrong not wanting to do something where there's going to be perceived reaction that she's going that that, that links into her i've done something wrong i'm not a like i'm not a as a human being i'm not operating on, on the on the right the right way here the right kind of wavelength um so you know me and both her mother-in-law but let's just pick on me for the moment right I need to be more conscious when it comes to the way that I talk to my daughter, all right? And understand that very often, some of the things that come out of my mouth, some of the smut, some of the innuendo, some of the passive aggressiveness, some of the jokey, humorous uh, comments that I make, some of the sexist comments that I make, some you know, all this kind of stuff that comes out of my mouth, I call it my smut, right? It, it, it comes from observing my father behaving in that way, right? I, that's where it comes from. I, I, grew up, I grew up in a household where I would say to my dad, where's my mom? And he would say something like, she's run off with a black man or she's upstairs putting her war paint on or she's upstairs putting her polyfiller in. <laughs> you know, like, like it, it was, that was just the way it was. And I, and I don't think for any minute my dad was... Um, racist or um trying to deliberately be sexist but that's what it was it's smut swear words um there was not really a focus on the power of words and how words can actually cause harm to people right so i know that's where it comes from and i know that i have that about me so I need to be open to feedback when people, particularly Liza, who are brave enough to say, Lee, hang on a minute, I'm not quite sure you should have said that, to take that on board. When I say brave enough to say that, you know, I've got to have a conversation with my mother-in-law and say, hey, you know, when Liza and Zia says, look, 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 um, there is a likelihood if you react the way you're doing that she could start to feel ashamed of that and not do that anymore. And that could have some detrimental impacts on her growing up. And that's a very vulnerable thing to do, have that conversation, because a lot of people might think, and this is a, a perception of mine, and you should never just rely on perceptions, but, you know, you, I worry that people think I'm being silly, that I'm being stupid. There might be some of you listening to this podcast now that are thinking, what's he going on about? Like, it's no big deal. But I, I really think that it is a big deal. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. So, you know, you have to be a little bit vulnerable as well in order to, you know, to reach out and give that feedback. So there's very few people that will actually give you your, that feedback. And if you think about it, when you fall out and you get into conflict with your partner, it comes from a place of love because they love you so much. They trust that you won't leave them when they show you their worst face, when they behave in the worst way. So right now, there's nobody that I behave with. Nobody who sees my dark side more than Liza. There's nobody who sees Liza's darker side more than me. And that's because we love each other so much that we trust that when we show our dark side, they will not leave us and run away. So think about that as well, okay? So luck, 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 luck. We do not want to be raising our children to be feeling ashamed of the things that they're doing and the things that they're saying when they're, when they're really young, right? We don't, we don't want to be doing that because I think that 
I think that in doing that, we are in some way nudging them towards that realm, that vast realm of not being good enough, not fitting in. You know, we need to remember that kids are really soaking in everything we're doing, everything we do. And our children become mini versions of ourselves, even if they don't want to. I always said I didn't want to be like my dad. I'm totally like my dad because there's something within me biologically that looks at my dad and takes that as my blueprint of how I should operate as a man. And I look at my mom as how I should operate in my feminine, right? My, my dad in his masculine, my mother in my feminine, or a combination of both. You know, my dad's got a feminine somewhere in him. My mom's certainly got masculine and feminine, you know? So you, you're looking at them and you're thinking, yeah, this is the way that, that, that we should roll. Okay. This is the way that we should roll. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy that is like, oh, yeah, I am actually shaming my daughter. And what other ways, like, do I do that? Like, how many of us as parents actually really consider whether or not our use of our language and our interactions with them are actually shaming? Other than the obvious. We just spanked our kid or we shouted at them or... You know, something really obvious. In those instances, we're aware if we're above or below the line. But what about the subtleties and nuance of everyday life? What about that? And also, I want you to think that why is a child saying, look, 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 anyway? Would they be saying that if you was completely and utterly present? Now, there's nobody in here playing with Zia tapping around on their mobile phones because, you know, we don't do that kind of stuff, right? But are we really present? You know, like the kids know. Like they know if you're present or not. So there's also that kind of thing. You say, am I, am I really present here with what is going on? So I wanted to share that with you because I want you to start immediately when you are going about your day, asking yourself, how do you, how do you interact and deal with your daughter when it comes to look, 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 and things like that, you know? And I want to end with, with something that's been like major, major, major shift in my life when it comes to Zia, um, which is uh, in a way related to this subtlety and this nuance and, and, and further introspection about what we hell we're doing as parents, right? And this all comes out of a conversation that started with my buddy Claudia, who lives in Australia, wonderful, wonderful coach and healer, an amazing human being. And I, I asked her to look at the vulnerability episode that we have in the strife method for addictions and strife method for relationships to see if you can strengthen it you know like i was just have a look at it and see if you, if you need strengthening and uh, she was asking me um i might have repeated this on a podcast but bear with me because uh, it has a, it leads to a point so she said to me um close your eyes and tell me about your breakfast this morning and i said well this morning i had breakfast with zia and she said, well, what is vulnerable about that? And I thought about it for a bit with my eyes closed. And I said, um, I didn't want to be there. And she said, oh, what's underneath that? Why didn't you want to be there? And I said, well, I didn't want to be there because um, I wanted to work. I, I had things that I wanted to do. I wanted to work and I didn't want to be there. So then she says, well, what else is underneath that? And I said, Hmm. 
ah, I get bored when I'm with her. Oh, why do you get bored when you're with her? Oh, because she's four and she wants me to play dolls all the time. And she's always saying to me, story, 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 story. And I always have to keep thinking of different stories. And sometimes I'm tired, especially in the morning. I don't want to get into doing that kind of thing. Um, and she said, give me more. And then I said, and I think I, I run away from her. I think, I think I, I think I do distance myself from her. And I think I distanced myself from my boy when he was young as well. I, I have always run away from my kids. And my dad ran away from me. My dad abandoned me emotionally and a lot of the times physically when we were younger. And now I got a 19 year old and a four year old. In both examples, I definitely abandoned them um, emotionally. And I have certainly. Uh, abandoned my older child uh, physically because I'm, I'm here in California at the moment. He's in the UK and I haven't seen him for a year because of lockdown. So that was like, you know, a big moment for me. And then I had a breathwork session with uh, Tiffany, who's one of our 1,000 Day Sober coaches. And if you want to have a breathwork session with Tiffany or with any of our 1,000 Day Sober coaches, then get over to uh, 1000daysober.com and book a call with us to talk about personal coaching options. It's expensive though. So if you're not willing to put your hand in your pocket, uh, don't, don't bother doing it. But uh, if money's uh, good um, and you can afford uh, uh, to invest in yourself and you like to invest in yourself, then do it. You'll get a lot of value out of it. Um, so I had a breathwork session with Tiffany and there was a moment where She asked me to, to just kind of step into the future 10 years and have a think about what my life was like. And I was curled up in a fetal position after doing breath work. And I had my eyes closed and I, and I propelled myself 10 years into the future. And I was in this house with lots of glass and lots of light. And um, a dog ran towards me. And I held my hands out and let it lick my face. And I was hugging it. And I, I loved this dog. And the reason that this was uh, really important for me is if anyone knows me, I, I can't be asked with dogs and cats. Like they bug the shit out of me. Um, that's not like I don't love animals. I don't eat them as I keep telling people. Like I guess so many people tell me that, oh, you don't like animals. I'm like, you eat them, you eat them, you, <laughs> you chop them up and eat them. I don't do that. Um, but yeah, dogs, like if they want to slaver around me and, and cuddle around me and touch me, I don't want it. Like get away from me. Same with cats. But here I am in this, after this breath session, in this visualization, hugging and loving this cat. And I suddenly had the realization that the reason I don't like dogs and cats is they are full, no, not, not as much cats, but especially when the cat comes to you, they're just a full expression of love. They just want to give you love and they want love back off you. And I realized that I'm not very good at receiving love. I'm not really good at receiving anything, receiving apologies, receiving um, money, receiving um, goodwill gestures. Um, but I'm certainly not good at receiving love. Or I, that was the story that I had, that, that I was no good at receiving love. And then I realized that, well, you know, I'm, I'm because I'm not good at receiving love from my children, I can see how I run away from them. Because I, I don't know, I have an upper limit problem around it. I, 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 I'm not willing 
to go to the next stage of joy and celebration because I feel there's going to be some pain and suffering in receiving their love. I was crying my eyes out, right? I was crying my eyes out with this. And, uh, and then the next day I said to myself, what if I just say yes to Zia? Not all the time, because there needs to be some boundaries and she needs to learn that she can't have everything she wants. But what if I could just say yes more than no? Because I realized I was saying no a lot and moaning and groaning a lot, just like my dad did to me. So let's try this yes thing. So we get up for breakfast in the morning and Zia says, um, I want some chocolate. And I say, well, I'll give you one chocolate. Oh, great, Dad, thanks. And she says, play with me, play with me, play with me. And normally I would say, no, we're going to brush your teeth, we're going to wash, we're going to make you some food and, and breakfast and then we'll play. And what happens when I say that is she cries and she has a tantrum and, and a fit and et cetera, et cetera. But this morning I said, okay, I'll tell you what, we'll play for 10 minutes and then at the end of that 10 minutes, we're going to brush your teeth and do our routine, right? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, and I don't want a big fuss after this. This is 10 minutes, okay? And she's like, yeah, okay. So I said, Alexa, give me a 10-minute alarm. And Alexa said, go. And me and Zia started playing with a doll's house. And the alarm went off. And you should have seen Zia's face. <laughs> she was like, I don't want that alarm to go up. She's like, just, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And I said, I tell you what. We'll have an ending to our story and then we'll agree, we'll carry on with our agreement and we'll go and have our breakfast and stuff. She's like, okay, no fight, no screaming, no raging, nothing, right? Later on, I'm working. I come downstairs and I'm 100 mile an hour kind of working and Zia says, dad, will you play with me? And I said, no. And she said, just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, just 10 minutes. And I remembered I got presents and I remembered and I said, okay, Alexa, give us 10 minutes on the clock. And I played with that little girl for 10 minutes and I went upstairs and did my thing. A little bit later on, I come back downstairs again, play me, play me. Alexa, give me 10 minutes. I played with her for another 10 minutes. Then it's my turn to make the dinner. All right. Zia's like, play with me, play me. I've got to make the dinner, Zia, but I tell you what, I'll play with you for 10 minutes and then I'll make the dinner. Right. You get where I'm going with this. I take her to bed. She never wants to go to bed with me to the point where she'd say, I hate you, dad. I don't like you, dad. I want my mom. We go to bed. I read her a story. I turn her light off. She said, will you read, tell me an imaginary story? I said, yeah. Will you sing me a song? I said, yeah. I said, will you scratch my back? I said, yeah. She said, will you tickle my belly? I said, yeah. Will you scratch it as well? I said, yeah. Will you get me a drink of water? I said, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm a no, 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 no person normally. And she screams and has fits and says, I want my mom. This has been going on now for about a week. This girl is like a limpet on my leg. She doesn't leave me alone. She follows me everywhere. I walked out the house earlier on with my headphones on, listening to Strivers on Marco Polo, and I'm walking halfway down the street, and all of a sudden I hear something, I turn around. She's running down the street after me in her bare feet, and her mum and her nan are running after her because she wanted to be with her dad, right? She's hugging me. She's kissing me. She's laughing with me. 
the whole energetic vibe, the kind of like the good juju juice sauce between us is so beautiful. Even at mealtimes, which is a crazy times for her, I'm just not trying to control it anymore. I'm just like chilling out about everything. I'm more relaxed. She's more relaxed. And I'm finding that connection. And I realize that the reason that I've been running away from my kids and the reason that I've been afraid to accept their love is because when you tell yourself that the most important thing in the world is family, it's easy for you to tell yourself that. It's easy to write it down in a values exercise. It's easy to tell all your friends, yeah, my most important thing in my life is family. But to make that a reality and for that to exist, you have to give up your time to be with your family. Okay? And when your family love you and they're connected to you and they're doing all these things that that you 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 know you think that you want but you don't really want when when this happening there's a stark realization that they want more so they want more and more of your time and if you're in this time loop if you're in this scarcity of i don't have enough time i don't have enough time to eat i don't have enough time to exercise i don't have enough time to meditate i don't have enough time to study lee's strive my predictions if you're in that mentality all the time and your daughter or your son comes to you and wants to play, then of course you're going to push him away. But if you can just, just forget time and just focus on what you said you would do, which is I'm going to put family as my number one value and just fall in love with this, with this kid in front of you and just do the things they want you to do. And I'm not talking about all the time. This morning I said after a while, I am going to go stretch right now. I need to stretch. And she said, play me, play me, play me just for 10 minutes. I'm like, no, Zia, I have a boundary right now. I really need to stretch. But you and your dolls can come and stretch with me. And when I finish my stretching, we can play for a bit. Right? That was important for me. She had a bit of a paddy fit. And then afterwards, she sat down. We did some ohms. We did some booms. She centered and we were able to talk about it. And she was pretty cool about it, right? But can you see what's going on here? You know? You're in scarcity. I was in scarcity mode. I'm running around. I need to make money. I need to get, get people in the stripe my predictions. I need to pay my bills. I, I need to make this work. Now I'm not in poker anymore. And then there's a kid saying, play me, play me, play me. It's like, no, no, no. What was happening was I was pushing her to a mum, So I didn't have to deal with her because I had stuff to do. To the point where I would hide from her. I would like go downstairs and I'd be like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm going to hide. Like I wasn't saying consciously I was hiding from her, but subconsciously I'm hiding from her. Because I don't want her to notice me and kiss me and hug me and then ask me to spend time with her because then I'm going to feel ashamed. But now, since I've been doing this all the way from understanding this vulnerability at breakfast, this piece of work that came out of the Strive Method for Addictions, yes, I'm selling it here, right? Like that piece of work that I did with Claudia and that piece of work that I did with Tiffany, now when I look at her and she's asking me for time, I'm not even debating it. I'm just going like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's go and have a laugh. Let's have a laugh and let's play for a bit. And I'm looking forward to it and I like it and I enjoy it. Whereas before my story was, it's boring and I don't like it. I'm making it fun between us. And it's, 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 it's up-leveling me. 
and it's making my energy feel pretty cool. And I'm suddenly starting to realize that all these years when I said that family was important and all I did was work all the time, I was just a fucking liar. I was full of shit. So how many of you out there are also full of shit? Saying to yourself that, oh, no, I need to work 72 hours a week. I need to work all these hours because I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. It's bullshit. You're doing it for yourself because you're running away from your family. Why are you running away from your family? I cannot be the only person in the world which is this is happening to. You know, but at the same time, look at yourself with introspection and compassion, because it's very likely that you don't have a Scooby-Doo or you didn't have a Scooby-Doo that you're even doing this until you listen to this, you know? So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to the subtlety and it comes to the nuance of the work we're doing here uh, at the Strive Method for Addictions, you know, is, is really being challenged to dig deeper and deeper and deeper about why you are behaving the way that you are and really kind of like uncovering truths that can really change your life that otherwise would have just remained hidden under a rock. All right. So I hope that helps. January 22nd, live workshop. How did I become someone that doesn't drink alcohol and ended up playing in a doll's house every day? And uh, January 31st for the Strive Method for Addictions um, group coaching program. I got to go. I hear a little lun banging on the door. 10 minutes of play. Alexa, turn off this podcast. <laughs>